the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Glad to have you with us. James Blend is producing. Clark Hilton, well, he's on vacation. Today on the program, we're going to talk about what's happening in Kabul. We'll also take a look at the lighter side of the news. And in the second hour of today's program, the Christian Outlook featuring Don Crow. He's joined by Max McLean, who has brought to stage some of the classic works of C.S. Lewis. We'll also hear from Devin Brown, author of A Life Observed, a spiritual biography of C.S. Lewis. He was a guest of John Hall and Kathy Emmons. And Eric Metaxas interviews Joe LeConte. He's the author of A Wardrobe, A Hobbit, and A Great War with Lewis' Friendship uh, with J.R.R. Tolkien. So that's all coming up in the second hour of today's program. Well, during a press briefing today, Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby revealed that the U.S.-led evacuation of Afghanistan still faces specific credible threats. We still believe there are credible threats. In fact, I would say specific threats, and we want to make sure we're prepared for those. We certainly are prepared and would expect future attempts, absolutely, but I won't get into the specifics of what those are. End quote. Well, according to recent estimates provided by the New York Times by anonymous local health officials on the ground, as many as 170 people, not including the 13 U.S. soldiers, were killed and at least 200 were wounded after a suicide bomber detonated outside the airport's Abbey Gate. And while two explosions were confirmed on Thursday, including one outside the nearby Barron Hotel, Army Major General William Hank Taylor revised that number to only one attack on Friday at the Abbey Gate. The airport. I can confirm, he said, for you that we do not believe that there was a second explosion at or near the Barron Hotel, that it was one suicide bomber. We're not sure um, how that reporter was uh, report rather was provided incorrectly. Well, the Pentagon also said that it will continue to blow up military equipment at the Kabul airport to prevent it from falling into ISIS hands before the U.S. military withdrawal deadline on August 31st, which, of course, is Tuesday. That seems a little bit too uh, little too late. We're seeing members of the Taliban uh, donning uniforms of U.S. military, holding weapons, wearing their shoes, driving their vehicles, uh, blowing up a few things at the airport is, again, too little too late. On Wednesday, Florida Senator Marco Rubio pushed back on the State Department's assertion that Americans have been able to make their way through Taliban checkpoints on their way to Hamid Karzai International Airport in Kabul. Writing, that's a lie. Well, more alarming still was his accusation that the Taliban isn't allowing American women through their checkpoints without a male guardian or are blocking non-citizen family members of U.S. citizens. A spokeswoman for Senator Rubio has confirmed these details, telling National Review that the office of U.S. Senator Rubio, as well as other Senate offices, have heard alarming anecdotes of women, including from U.S. citizens, who are being prevented from passing through Taliban checkpoints without a male guardian. The um, intimidation that Rubio um, uh, is uh, not the only senator aware of the uh, issue at the Taliban checkpoints raises questions about the transparency of the White House which has maintained that Americans are being allowed through the checkpoints, save for um, 
uh, rare exceptions. Now, we were also told, uh, and this has gone back and forth, that the names of U.S. citizens and the name of Afghan nationals who helped the United States were given to the Taliban to, in quotes, help them get people to the airport where they uh, were expected to evacuate. Again, this uh, could be a, a hostage crisis of un, uh, unthought, uh, untold per, uh, proportions. Meanwhile, President Biden is being attacked from all sides after the deaths of at least 13 American service members Thursday in that ISIS-K terrorist attack at the Kabul airport. Uh, by the way, many of those ISIS-K terrorists were at the Bagram uh, airport uh, where they were being held and um, were let go and now returned to the battlefield. The outrage over the American deaths Thursday was compounded by news that the U.S. gave the Taliban the names of Americans and Afghan allies it wanted to evacuate. Well, the political crisis for Biden follows a foreign policy crisis in Afghanistan after the Taliban swept into power as American troops withdrew from the country on Biden's orders. And even Democrats are criticizing the president's actions prior to yesterday's bombings, images out of Afghanistan contributed to plunging approval ratings for the president uh, at last um, look 41 percent. Although it is clear to me that we could not continue to put American service members in danger for an unwinnable war. I also believe that the evacuation process appears to have been egregiously mishandled. That's a quote from Representative Susan Wild, who is a Democrat out of Pennsylvania, tweeting on Thursday. In order to move forward, we need answers and accountability regarding the cascading failures that led us to this moment. End quote. Well, critics argue the president should have left some troops in Afghanistan to keep the brutal Taliban regime from coming into power or that he should have uh, uh, more strategically handled the drawdown to prevent frantic and deadly evacuations. The White House counters that the withdrawal would be messy no matter what and that the airlift out of the country have saved many lives. According to the White House, 12,500 people were evacuated from Kabul between 3 a.m. Thursday and 3 a.m. Friday, including 8,500 on U.S. military flights. Well, a newly declassified U.S. intel report, much anticipated on the origins of the novel coronavirus, reveals that one intelligence agency has assessed that moderate, uh, with moderate confidence, I should say, that the virus emerged from a lab leak, while four others assessed with low confidence that COVID-19 originated from natural exposure to an infected animal. Well, the report says that the intelligence community remains divided on the most likely origin of COVID-19 and that all agencies assess that two hypotheses are plausible, natural exposure to an infected animal and a laboratory associated incident. I think it all boils down to we will never have a definitive answer. President Biden's Afghanistan remarks suggest a possible extension of the U.S. mission past August 31st. I wouldn't hold my breath on that, but the president's remarks followed the deadly terror attacks yesterday at the airport, suggesting the U.S. activities in Afghanistan could continue beyond Tuesday's deadline for a permanent withdrawal of U.S. troops, raising further questions about the current parameters of the mission. Well, the president vowed to retaliate against ISIS-K militants responsible for the suicide bombings that killed at least 13 U.S. military members and some 170 others. Uh, though he did not provide a timeline for when those strikes would occur. He also noted that there would be numerous opportunities to evacuate at-risk individuals after August 31st, even as he pledged to maintain his current timeline for the withdrawal. I'm having a difficult time putting all of this together. How do you evacuate U.S. citizens and Afghans once the Taliban has overtaken the only airport we um, made available to ourselves, which was not the best option for evacuation? 
and how do you um, locate and identify those responsible for the suicide bombing when you no longer have assets on the ground? You've abandoned Afghanistans who stood by the United States, and they're very unlikely to want to stand uh, in danger by providing uh, some sort of intelligence to the U.S. at this point. The president went on to say these ISIS terrorists will not win. We will rescue the Americans there. We will get our Afghan allies out and our mission will go on. America will not be intimidated. And I have the utmost confidence in our brave service members who continue to execute this mission with courage and honor to save lives and get Americans, our partners, our Afghan allies out of Afghanistan. Well, the president said um, we will get our Afghan allies out. Our mission will go on. Uh, he has uh, confidence, certainly, uh, in our brave service members. I think we all have that. But the president also said America will not be intimidated. We've already demonstrated that we apparently are intimidated by the Taliban as they are calling the shots. Well, the president has faced immense pressure from lawmakers to uh, complete the evacuation operations, regardless of his deadline. The president's pledge to move forward with evacuation flights despite the bombing, asserting that U.S. officials have sufficient time and resources, referring to the deadline on the 31st, to evacuate all Americans who wish to leave Afghanistan by the 31st. In other developments, the Pentagon has revised the Kabul death toll data to include fallen army soldiers. More security threats put innocent lives in Kabul on notice after deadly attacks left the world numb. And former acting director of national intelligence Rick Grinnell says the disaster in Afghanistan is a D.C. politician failure, not an intelligence failure. President Biden doesn't deny a report of the U.S. handing over names of Americans to the Taliban, saying there may have been. The president didn't deny the report uh, that circulated yesterday that officials in his administration had provided names of Americans there to the Taliban in order to help usher them safely to the airport. There have been occasions where our military has contacted their military counterparts in the Taliban, their military counterparts, to put the two together is a bit insulting, uh, made up of the following group. Let it through, the president said. Yes, there have been occasions like that, end quote. Well, the president added that his uh, to his knowledge, the bulk of that group has been let through, but can't say with certitude that there was a list of names passed to the Taliban. He was responding to a political report confirmed by other news outlets that U.S. officials in Kabul gave the Taliban a list of American citizens, green card holders and Afghan allies in an effort to grant them entry to the airport which resulted in outrage from military officials behind the scenes and certainly uh, fear among Afghans who may not make it to the airport, as well as some Americans. A source confirmed that the topic did come up in a classified briefing on Capitol Hill this week and that U.S. officials didn't hand over a list of every single person in the country, but has shared names piecemeal with the Taliban whenever they wanted a specific group to come through. In other developments, Afghanistan explosion, 13 U.S. service members dead, 170 Afghans and hundreds were wounded in the Kabul airport blast. And President uh, Biden and former President Trump are playing the blame game as the situation in Afghanistan continues to deteriorate. A former uh, policy expert revealed how Biden couldn't have prevented today's or yesterday's catastrophe. And Sean Parnell says witnessing Biden bend the knee to the Taliban is soul crushing. We're going to take a quick break, but we will be back in just a moment. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Keep in mind, coming up later this hour, we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news. And in the second hour, The Christian Outlook. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. 
We're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're taking a look at some of the headline news, and we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news a bit later in this hour. Representative Cawthorn is calling on Vice President Kamala Harris to invoke the 25th Amendment to remove the president over the Afghanistan crisis. The U.S. representative, a freshman Republican from North Carolina, is calling on the vice president to invoke the 25th Amendment to, well, rid the nation of the president. Um, following the deadly botched withdrawal of U.S. troops from Afghanistan. She says our nation is at a crisis point uh, in a letter to the vice president uh, and the rest of the cabinet. Uh, he warned of China's ambitions on the world stage, the resurgence of Russia, a rising inflation, chaos at the southern border and other global predicaments threatening the U.S. and argued that confronting them will take strong, decisive leadership. Joe Biden's physical inability to lead is not a political talking point. It's a demonstrable, demonstrable fact. Cawthorn uh, said on Thursday evening he is not mentally fit to serve as president of the United States. In other developments, the vice president stopped at Pearl Harbor on her way back from Asia, but avoided press questions. And Nikki Haley and uh, Marsha Blackburn and other Republicans are calling for the president's resignation or impeachment after the attack at the Kabul airport. The vice president says evacuating Americans and Afghan allies is the Biden administration's highest priority. And Laura Trump, she blasted Kamala Harris on Afghanistan, saying she thinks we'll all just forget about this. Well, the officer who shot Ashley Babbitt at the uh, Capitol gave his first public interview on NBC News. He claims he saved a lot of lives by taking hers. The Supreme Court struck down the Biden administration's eviction moratorium. And L.A. County's liberal district attorney says he won't block Robert F. Kennedy's assassination assassins parole if granted. Uh, Governor Abbott's order allowing Texas troopers to stop migrant transports is facing a judge's injunction. Well, Apple rather has loosened its App Store payment rules in a lawsuit settlement. The family of Al Capone, they plan to sell the notorious mobster's treasures at auction. They say he was a very complex person. Hmm. That's one way of putting it. Verizon promotes defunding the police and the idea that America is fundamentally racist. You might want to keep that in mind if you're a Verizon customer. A wholesale food distributor has been forced to delay. Like so many other businesses, they need to increase their workforce. Well, the world's largest chip maker plans to raise prices and they're threatening costlier electronics as well. Well, President Biden addressed the nation vowing to hunt the killers down, but few find him convincing and didn't help that he made it clear he had a list of reporters uh, they gave me to call upon during that press conference. Philip Klein said in a low energy speech filled with long pauses and unconvincing vows to hunt down ISIS terrorists, the president started off by saying our mission will go on. Presumably, he meant that the terrorist attacks would not deter the military from continuing to try to evacuate the Americans who are still stranded in Afghanistan. But it left an open question. What happens when the desire to have the evacuation mission continue conflicts with the desire to withdraw by next Tuesday, August the 31st? In response to follow up questions, we began to get a hint. Americans will simply be left behind. Hugh Hewitt weighs in. He says the Taliban breached the Doha agreement in March and the agreement was thus void. Uh, Joe Biden chose to ignore the breach and the Taliban ran wild. This isn't hard to understand. President Trump, Secretary Pompeo and Ambassador O'Brien have explained on my show, referring to his show in the past week. Katie Pavlich says uh, Saki, referring to Jen Saki, the White House press secretary, the uh, Taliban is not a group we trust. And yet they're still doing security for the U.S. at the airport. 
Huh. Even prior to the terrorist attack, 76 percent of independent voters said that uh, Biden is to blame for the poorly handled evacuation process. Well, the Taliban continues to hunt down those who helped the U.S. And now they have names. Jim Garrity tells uh, of one specific contractor who is getting desperate pleas from those trapped as the Taliban continues on their gruesome path. According to the New York Times, there are at least 250,000 Afghans who worked with the U.S. and haven't been evacuated. Well, the Supreme Court ended the president's uh, eviction moratorium in a six to three ruling. Rich Lowry points out a victory for the constitutional system that Biden swore to uphold before turning his back on it after uh, getting some blowback from the left. Britt Hume uh, makes the point. It's a wonder this lawless ban got three votes or maybe it's not from Molly Hemingway. Scandalous that it wasn't nine to zero given the Constitution and the law. Well, the president has admitted his administration may have given the Taliban a list of Afghans who aided the U.S., but he's not really sure. A teacher breaks with her school, telling parents about a 12 year old's gender support plan from the lengthy post. Abigail Schreier points out for much of the uh, daughter's seventh grade, the school was not only referring to her daughter as a boy by name. It was uh, providing the daughter with gender counseling and providing this gender support, all a secret from the child's parents. And let that sink in for a moment. Time's Up CEO has resigned after the group sides with uh, former Governor Cuomo. The CEO refused to let the organization support Cuomo's first accuser after the governor's advisors talked to Time's Up um, out of um, or rather talked them out of it. Portland, Oregon, according to national headlines, is drifting into a mass uh, rather a mess as the police budget is slashed and liberal politicians ruled. From the story, we're trying our best, Mr. Lovell added, describing how our critical staffing shortage as well as legal restrictions impacts our response. Daryl Turner, executive director of the Portland Police Association, says police funding has been slashed by more than $25 million since George Floyd's murder, and some 150 officers have resigned or retired since June of last year. That includes 50 officers who served on a crowd control unit. Mr. Lovell says uh, the... Uh, uh, On the day of the riot, police responded to a fatal crash, a shooting that injured five people and street racing that shut down the Fremont Bridge, among other crimes. Portland has seen 61 homicides this year, up from 32 in all of 2019. Well, Harvard has selected an atheist as their chief university chaplain. Doesn't really add up. Harvard is the Harvard of woke. But I suppose if a biological male can be referred to as a female, An atheist can be referred to as a chaplain at Harvard. Well, as I mentioned uh, briefly a moment ago, the Supreme Court struck down the Biden administration's eviction moratorium in a 6-3 decision on Thursday. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention prevention, issued the moratorium early uh, this month to cover counties with high or substantial coronavirus spread, which as of Wednesday included the vast majority of the counties in the U.S. The order was issued after a previous nationwide moratorium instituted during the Trump administration expired on the 31st of last month. It would be one thing if Congress had specifically authorized the action that the CDC had taken, but that has not happened, the court majority wrote in an unsigned opinion. Now, that, it's puzzling to me if the uh, uh, if the Congress is so determined to implement this, they have the authority to do so, but they've relied on uh, uh, illegal means to do it. Why didn't they take it up and, and pass it on their own? Well, anyway, the majority held that the statute the CDC cited when implementing the moratorium, Section 361 of the Public Health Service Act, does not grant the CDC authority to halt the evictions. And so it goes.
Well, former Ambassador Nikki Haley says the U.N. could recognize the Taliban. The U.N. should refuse to allow the Taliban to represent Afghanistan, Haley said. The U.N. already has a terrible track record when it comes to giving human rights abusers a seat at the table. But this would be a new low, a barbaric group like the Taliban that harbors some of the world's worst terrorists and sets uh, suicide bombs in marketplaces, has no place in an organization founded to maintain international peace and security. California Democrats voted to replace a toppled statue of a Catholic saint with a Native American monument. The prior statue was there since 1967 before the protesters vandals destroyed it in 2020. The Democrats of California plan to reward the vandals. A principal brags of separating every child in the lunchroom with plexiglass. The tweet includes a disturbing picture. Well, Bethany Mandel points out, please don't send your children to prison to be educated. Parents need to pull their kids out of these situations for their own well-being and to send a loud and clear message. I understand families have limited options, but this is doing harm. Meanwhile, Carol Markowitz uh, looks at the damage done to children forced to wear masks. You can read more about that in the Washington Examiner. And Comedy Central has canceled their Diversity Day episode of The Office. The story explains it has been done quietly. The woke are killing comedy. Well, the vice president, Kamala Harris, has tweeted that President Biden made the right decision after speculation she was separating herself from the president. She tweeted that Joe Biden made a commitment to the American people when he ran for president that he would bring American military involvement in Afghanistan to an end. It's the right decision. Well, no one's disputing that decision. It's the decisions that implemented that one that everyone is questioning. Well, a poll says the president is underwater in New Hampshire, the state he won easily. Josh uh, Krauschauer points out uh, the poll, UNH poll, Biden approval at 44 percent, disapproval 54 percent. He carried the state with 53 percent of the vote in 2020. Most significantly, got to think these numbers and the worsening national environment for D's are a push to uh, Governor Sununu to get in the Senate race. Well, the Pentagon confirmed explosions outside the Kabul airport yesterday. Americans at the Kabul airport gates were being urged by the U.S. embassy to leave immediately. About 1,500 American citizens are still in the country, according to the Secretary of State. That number has been revised upward, however. Two congressmen, a Democrat and a Republican, went to Kabul because they don't trust Biden's uh, Afghanistan spin. House Speaker Pelosi, who commended the president's Saigon 2.0 malfeasance, slammed the freelance trip. And the Pentagon has ordered COVID vaccinations for all military personnel. New York's new governor added 12,000 deaths to the publicized COVID tally. And the CDC admits that schools with mask mandates didn't see statistically significant different rates of COVID transmission from schools with optional policies. YouTube oligarchs have yanked over one million COVID videos it deemed dangerous. Osama bin Laden warned in 2010 in a letter that Biden would lead the U.S. into crisis. Huh. A Capitol Police officer who shot Ashley Babbitt plans to speak out in an interview and did. And Apple is promoting hookup apps for children. Well, the governor of uh, New Mexico's car uh, gets 13 miles per gallon as she uh, demands the rest of the state average 52 miles per gallon. But we do know where there's a two tier system, so. A Washington state jail is offering free ramen noodles to inmates who get vaccinated. Well, on this day in history, 1859, Edwin L. Drake drills the first successful oil well in the United States at Titusville, Pennsylvania. 1928, the Kellogg-Briand Pact is signed in Paris, outlawing war and providing for the peaceful settlement of disputes. Oh, 
would that that uh, had held. 1945, U.S. troops began landing in Japan after Japan's surrender in World War II. 1963, author, journalist, and civil rights activist W.E.B. Du Bois dies in Accra, Ghana at age 95. 1989, the first U.S. commercial satellite rocket is launched from Cape Canaveral, Florida, a Delta booster carrying a British communications satellite, the Marco Polo 1. 2005, coastal residents jam freeways and gas stations as they rush to get out of the way of Hurricane Katrina, which is headed toward New Orleans. And finally, on this day in history, 2009, a J.C. Lee Duggard, uh, kidnapped when she was 11, is reunited with her mother 18 years after her abduction in South Lake Tahoe, California. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. When we return, James Blind will join me and we'll look at the lighter side of the news. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. I've asked James Blinn to join me as we take a look at the lighter side of the news for the next couple of segments, and he has agreed to do just that. On the eve of Banana Pudding, National Banana Pudding Day. Is it really? Yeah, that's not today, but it is uh, this weekend. Wow. National Banana Pudding Day. Day. So does that make it National Banana Pudding Eve then? Yes. National. It, which seems like reason enough to celebrate early. Well, it does. I wish we had banana pudding. I grew up with banana pudding. My mother made the pudding uh, from scratch, so it was really, really good. It was just kind of a staple dessert in our household, and I just get all nostalgic when I think about Banana Pudding Day. Uh, and the fact that the, the pudding was made um, uh, from scratch on the stove, so the pudding was warm when you put it over the wafers and the bananas and so they were it was all incorporated the flavors together and then the meringue on the top anyway happy i'm not hungry right now yeah (laughs) that's not making me hungry at all happy national banana pudding day eve wow yeah there you go well i've pretty much uh, cut sugar from my diet altogether i have to tell you there's a praise report yesterday i took two very large sharpies containers that those are needles that you use when you have to inject yourself with insulin or for other reasons, I suppose, as well, two large uh, Sharpie containers to um, the hazardous waste facility to drop them off because I no longer have to inject myself at all with anything. And today I took a garbage, uh, not a garbage bag, uh, a grocery bag size um, full of drugs that I have been on since my ordeal began back in January a grocery bag that was completely full and mounding a little bit on the top, full of uh, drug. You're not supposed to just flush them or throw them away, so you're supposed to take them to an appropriate place. And I was able to take all of those things and drop them off because I no longer uh, require them. And I am so extremely grateful. Um, You're no longer a walking pharmacy. I am no longer a walking pharmacy. And to be rid of those things was just... uh, it was quite emotional for me because uh, my morning routine before I would uh, get up and be able to do anything required so many steps. Uh, now I just take a, uh, three prescriptions, um, most of which have little to do with what happened back in uh, in January, and I'm on my way. So anyway, I'm I'm grateful. That is a praise report. I know that um, some of you might still be in a position where you are required. To take those pharmaceuticals, I tried to be as faithful as I could to do that. I made major adjustments uh, to my lifestyle and my my diet to try to um, to improve things. And I would just encourage you to do the same. Do what you know to do is right. 
and uh, trust God for the rest. Anyway, I just had to mention that because I'm pretty thrilled about the whole thing. All right. The lighter side of the news of which that was not. No, what, that's uh, yeah, that's positive. That's light. It's, it's, it's on the positive side. It is on the positive side. And I'm kind of walking on on air these days. Anyway, uh, Washington State records their first live murder hornet sighting in the United States. Uh, they're not prone to attack, but they have deadly stings. So uh, if they inadvertently, you know, they're not prone to attack. But if, you know, they accidentally attack you, then, you know, they have deadly stings. Uh, their return really stings. That's what the headline said. The first live Asian giant hornet of 2021 has been spotted in Washington state. A resident snapped a photo of the so-called murder hornet attacking a wasp nest in Blaine, just south of the Canadian border on Wednesday. Uh, it was just two miles away from where officials destroyed the first ever murder hornet rest, or rather nest, found in the United States last October. This hornet is exhibiting the same behavior we saw last year, attacking paper wasp nests. Okay, they're not going to attack us and kill us, but anyway. That's according to a managing uh, entomologist with the State Department of Agriculture. A resident found a dead hornet just north of Seattle in June, but officials later determined the dried-out old male hornet appeared to be uh, from a previous season, the insects deemed an invasive pest are known to decimate hives of honeybees that pollinate crops. A small group of Asian uh, giant hornets can kill an entire honeybee hive in a matter of hours. So they're really uh, bad news if you want to eat. Yeah. And you like honey. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway. Winnie the Pooh, not a fan. Not a fan at all. I mean, these things are are huge. They're they're and, and, and I'll be honest, they're ugly. They can grow up to two inches long. Now think about yep. that: two inches, and that's a bee. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, we used to catch bees in jars. We would always let them go, but boy, they would be mad as a hornet um, before we let them go. And that was always the scary part because you didn't know if they were going to retaliate or they just wanted to get away. But that buzz would get deeper. Maybe it was just resonating in the jar. But it's fascinating to watch them. Uh, murder hornet i'll just leave them to their own devices and hope that we can prevent them from invading our territory i prefer they stay bees. away but it, you know if that is not possible then them doing their thing and me doing mine very separate is probably a good compromise i'm just concerned about the honeybees I'm, uh, i yeah, yeah as well you should be as well i am there you have it well, with temperatures in dubai regularly surpassing 115 degrees now we have said that in the past now we kind of know what that is. We've lived with 116 degrees Fahrenheit. The government has decided to take control of the the um, scorching weather. Scientists in the United Arab Emirates are making rain, artificially using electrical charges from drones to manipulate the weather and force rainfall across the desert nation. Meteorological officials released video footage uh, showing the downpour in one area, as well as uh, other regions of the country, the new method of cloud seeding shows promise in helping to uh, mitigate drought conditions worldwide without as many environmental concerns as previous methods involving salt flares. Uh, annually, the United Arab Emirates receives about four inches of rain per year, four inches for the whole year. Well, the government is hoping that regularly zapping clouds to generate rain will help to alleviate some of the arid nation's annual heat waves. And according to research from the University of, um, uh, is it Reading? It's R-E-A-D-I-N-G in the UK. Reading, I believe. R-E-A-D, though? Yeah. Okay. It, uh, it's Britain. Scientists, <laughs> that's true. They don't speak English. Exactly. Scientists, uh, scientists there created the storms using drones, which hit clouds with electricity, creating large raindrops. 
The raindrops are essential uh, in the hot country where smaller droplets often evaporate before they even hit the ground. So this is pretty fascinating. It's moving to think that the rainfall technology I saw today, according to uh, the ambassador to the United Arab Emirates to the UK, uh, which is still being developed, may someday support countries in water scarce environments like the UAE. So this is on the uh, on the horizon. I mean, that's pretty fascinating. Yeah, I'd, the the steps we keep making forward. Yeah. Uh, Vice Chancellor Robert Vander Neuert uh, said this, of course, our ability to manipulate weather is puny compared to the forces of nature, the forces of nature. We, we know who's behind that curtain. Uh, anyway, we are uh, mindful that we as a university have a big role to play by working with global partners to understand and help prevent the worst effects of the change in climate. In 2017, researchers at the university were awarded $1.5 million in funding for what they call rain enhancement science, also known as man-made rainstorms. The UAE total investment in rainmaking projects is $15 million, a part of the country's quest to ensure water security. The water table is sinking drastically, they say. This is according to the University of, according to James, reading professor and meteor... I said reading. Oh, no, you said Reading. Okay, yeah. I said Reading. You said Reading. Tomato, tomato. Let's call the whole thing off. I agree. The purpose of this is to try to help with rainfall. So there you have it. I mean, that would make such a huge difference if it was possible to create rain without creating other problems in the process. Uh, water rights and fighting over who gets what could all be resolved in a matter yeah. of raindrops. That would be kind of epic. Falling on my head. All right, we're going to take a break. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Keep in mind, our second hour, we're going to share the Christian outlook. Some good stuff coming up, all focusing on C.S. Lewis. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. James Blend has joined me. A look at the lighter side of the news. Also in the second hour, the Christian Outlook, Don Crow is going to be joined by Max McLean, who's brought to um, uh, to stage some of the classic works of C.S. Lewis. I've enjoyed his performances immensely. We'll also hear from Devin Brown, author of A Life Observed, a spiritual biography of C.S. Lewis. He was the guest of John Hall and Kathy Emmons. And we'll hear from Eric Metaxas. He's interviewing uh, Joe LeConte, author of A Wardrobe, A Hobbit, and A Great War about C.S. Lewis' friendship with J.R.R. Tolkien. So that's all coming up in the second hour of today's program. Well, a bunker built by uh, German troops in northern France during World War II has been restored and refitted as an underground guest house. It's a room without a view. A French war bunker. Okay. I'm not so sure this is a great idea. Uh, Anyway, um, the northern coast is still strewn with fortifications left by the German army, which built up a so-called Atlantic Uh, uh, Wall uh, to try to fend off Allied forces. In um, St. Pabu on the uh, Breton coast, concrete bunkers are half buried along the sandy beaches in an area that once operated as a radar station. Well, um, a resident there brought up a plot of land around one of them and spent 18 months digging out and renovating the 400 square meter structure, turning it into a rental for up to eight people, complete with a bar, living room and other amenities. We adapted the bunker while preserving a certain feel, he said. I'm not sure what that certain feel is when you're talking about a World War II bunker. 
uh, built by the Germans occupying France and why that would be a thrilling place to, to stay for anybody. He says, we wanted to give the building a second life. So we're... um we're not going to live in the past forever. We saved some aspects. We know where you are. There are historic cues, but this isn't a museum either. Wartime touches in Bunker L-479 include helmets, reproduction guns, and signs on the wall. Both German and French guests have stayed there since it opened about a year ago. Some mayors have tried to remove bunkers and other remains from the coastline in case there are uh, are danger to swimmers there. Others um, and other areas have taken steps to restore the historic sites. We're starting to preserve those famous bunkers, and it's a good thing, but we can't save them all. A bunker specialist and author who uh, began to explore the structures in the 1980s, Herve Ferrant, said. Now, does that sound appealing to you? You just got back from vacation. Uh, would you and your family be interested in staying in a World War II bunker built by the Germans while occupying France? I don't. I I wouldn't. I I would say I would be more susceptible to visiting such a thing as part of a historical yeah. tour, more like a museum. Uh, exactly. Uh, and you know, the, if the exhibit's hands on and you can kind of see a little bit more of what it was like, that's fine. But realistically, I think I'd be creeped out to stay there. Yeah, I just I don't see the appeal. I mean, obviously there must be one, and it doesn't have any windows. I that would also bother me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a Polish construction firm uh, and refiner Lotus have created a floral scented asphalt in a bid to improve working conditions for road builders. A floral scented asphalt. Well, while vapors emitted by ordinary asphalt are not harmful to humans, the novel material will provide a more comfortable working environment for construction workers paving roads. Well, the new... Um, I think they're calling it bitumen, contains a a mixture of natural and synthetic essential oils, most of which neutralize the typical smell of asphalt, which is quite unpleasant, while the remaining one adds a more pleasing scent to the compound. At times, one could smell the scent of flowers, which made working more pleasant. A foreman from the project says, quoting uh, in a press release, well, the budumix uh, said it will um, of it. They said it would consider introducing the new compound on a wider scale. Uh, to make road building a bit more pleasant. Floral centered, uh, scented asphalt. Okay. Whatever makes life easier. Well, a Connecticut homeowner who reviewed security camera footage to find out what happened to her missing Amazon package was shocked to see the thief was, in fact, a black bear. I think I'd just probably let the bear have it. What, what about you, James? Uh, I'm not asking a bear for something back. Well, the resident of Bristol posted a video showing the bear taking the package from her front step, walking down her driveway with the pilfered parcel. Amazon had, uh, Amazon rather, had dropped off the package maybe five minutes before, and she got an alert on her security camera. And then she got a second alert five minutes later. She was taken aback because she wasn't expecting anyone else in her driveway. Well, there wasn't anyone else, but there was a bear. She says she doesn't know why the bear was interested in the package, as all it contained was a roll of toilet paper. I've seen the commercials, though. I've seen bears with toilet paper. Yeah, there are the bears that like the toilet paper. I've seen those as well. She said it was hysterical. Uh, Like I said, I knew nothing in there was going to be irreplaceable, so it was a fun afternoon for sure, she says. The package later turned up in a neighbor's yard, so at least she was able to recover it. Well, I mean, you know, especially in these days where I, I hear stories again of uh, toilet paper shortages and here and there. So, uh, you know, if the bears are stealing them, you know, there's really a paper to- 
shortage. Uh, you know, paper shortage again. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I guess there are those of us who have a lot of time on our hands, and that might be an apt description for David Rush from Idaho. He balanced a chair on his chin for over an hour to break a world record. Why? Yeah. Why? He has more than 200 Guinness World Records to his name. He claimed another title by balancing a chair on his chin, as I mentioned, for over an hour. Well, Mr. Rush, a serial record breaker who uses his Guinness attempts to promote STEM education, said the record-keeping organization's rules dictated he had to use a full-size chair intended for adults. Well, he said he had intended to try to increase the time far beyond the previous record of one hour and two minutes and 18 seconds, but pain in his neck and fatigue in his legs caused him to settle for a less ambitious goal. He successfully completed his attempt in one hour, eight minutes, and 39 seconds. Well, there you go. Yeah, I guess that's an accomplishment. About an hour and eight minutes or whatever, longer than I would do it for, but you know. Yeah. Do you know the Guinness Book of World Record is the number one selling copyrighted book in the world? So somebody's looking at the thing. Oh, not only that, it's I mean it's updated every year pretty much, isn't it? Updated every well it has to be. So people are buying it more than once. Yeah. Well, there you have it. So much for the farmer's almanac. Hey, you're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. We've got news and traffic coming up next, and then the Christian Outlook. Join us. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.